0: The Westwood
1: One Podcast Network.
2: Living for something bigger than you takes a lot of sacrifice, takes a lot of risk. But at the end of the day, that's what life is about, right? I mean, I don't want to be 80, you know, kind of facing the end of my life and say I didn't do much with it except gain wealth or whatever. There's nothing wrong with gaining wealth and nothing wrong with doing that kind of stuff. But I don't want to sit back and say I didn't do nothing with it and I didn't help anybody.
4: This is the Team Never Quit podcast. So buckle up, buttercup.
1: Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the Lifelock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at Lifelock.com/slash aware. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day. You're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
5: Welcome back to another show, guys.
4: How are you guys? Great. Awesome. Great day. Do I sound awesome? You sound awesome. From the last time I've been studying my history, and just so you know... Alexander the Great did not have a gun. Poor guy. I know. Back when men were men. Back when cleaved, bloody, tough.
5: Name's Andrew Brockenbush, producer of this show. No, it's not. I make myself sound smart and these guys smarter. Marcus and Morgan Luttrell, yeah. Navy SEALs,
4: podcast like host. Airbrushing your voice. Yeah,
5: that's right. It's bronzing it, bronzing it up. We've got a pretty awesome guest today, Here Adam we Kinzinger. There.
4: Tell us, Burning Bush. Adam Kinzinger,
5: congressman. Oh, the good congressman. The good congressman. Oh, all right. Dude.
4: The good man. You want to know a little? You want to know a little funny fact about Mister 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 Congressman Please. Kinzinger? He got he made the uh, top ten sexy congressman list. Did he? That's yeah. a list. Good for him. Yeah, he did. I was proving through it. Is that and a I, secret list or like public? No, I found it on the internet. It's got to be so, true. Can't be too fake. Got to be true. That's going to give him a hard it was time. It's on the internet. Because it had him in his Top Gun outfit. Where was he at on this list? He's like number four, I think. I don't know if it was numbered like it was Did just Crenshaw 10. get on there? No, Crenshaw went on there. It was, it was, the before, eye? It was before Crenshaw got rolled in. But uh, but uh, Aaron Shock, Congressman Shock, I think said his name. He's from Illinois too. He's in there with his shirt off. Uh oh. <laughs> Firefighter. Calendar. You don't like him? Yeah, I could be, I'm talking to brother. You don't like him?
1: I, hey no, he's I'm got a him. great
4: body what do you want me to do come on he's top 10 <laughs> yeah he's top 10 jeez this so, yeah. summer
1: sexiest congressman six, six pack abs yeah,
4: six pack abs gymnast body <laughs> no he made yeah that's one of the lists he made I was like that's that's a good list that's a great accomplishment was there an honorable mention Adam Schiff
3: Bring he's him. a runner
4: Bring, is he yeah marathon bet you, runner I bet you I could outrun him I couldn't I could Die trying, you ain't gonna beat me. I might beat you at speed, but distance,
5: I'm out. All right, what do we got? Got to do the listener story. Ooh. The listener story is brought to you by our friend Jacob Ten Year Road to Victory, and I'm gonna try to do it in my Australian accent because try to do it as good as mine. We've got another Australian story, which I think is awesome. I want to tell you about the Ten Year Johnny. I
6: have
4: no, no. Nope. All
6: right, clear it up. <clears throat> clear it up. <clears throat> All right, here goes. I want to tell you about the 10-year journey I have just had to take to get my goal that I've had since a kid. That sounds pretty good. Keep going. Bit of a background about my family and how I was brought up in Australia. On my mother's side of the family, she was a civilian in the Navy working for the Admiral of the Navy. Her grandfather, so my great-grandfather, was an artilleryman In the Australian Army during World War I, spending four years on the Western Front and came home to live to 92. On my father's side of the family, we are all extremely good marksmen and hunters. My grandfather is a pistol champion of New South Wales. My cousin is also a London junior Olympic gold medalist for double trap. With families like this, I got brought up with strict regimental upbringing and was taught and trained to shoot multiple firearms and outdoor survival skills. I always felt like I was raised to join the Defence Force and always loved the idea of it. My 10-year journey started in my final year of school, 2008. I was planning on joining the Defence Force. I was extremely good at athletics and specialised in shot put and discus. Doing my last throw at shot put which I was already leading the school, told me I was 15 centimetres away from the record. Upon this, I went a little harder and the shot put moved in my hand, damaging the tendons in my wrist. Upon visiting the doctors and specialists, I found out my army dreams were gone for now as I couldn't even perform one push-up. They did, however, give me hope, saying when it heals, I can try out again. I then got into selling cars after graduation and was doing this until the year 2014. This was the first year that I had felt back to my peak physical standard and could do all the exercises on my wrist with no brace or assistance. Knowing this, I went to my recruiting office in Canberra and started an application for the second time. I passed everything and was up to the final hurdle, the selection board for officer school, when putting a bar back after doing deadlifts, which I had done a thousand times, my wrist let go again. I was in tears in the gym knowing that this had just cost me. Obviously, I couldn't continue to join. Years went by and I met my wife. She had two gorgeous kids from her first marriage and unfortunately not a nice ex-partner. She was physically assaulted by him and the kids were so young when I met them. This took some time to rebuild and for her and the kids to feel safe. But we now have a child of our own and the other two kids call me dad, not wanting to be near their real father. When we found out my wife was pregnant, our life went into a downward spiral. She had developed a seizure condition from when she was being assaulted and head damage that our growing baby almost killed her. He sent her seizures wild, resulting in me having to perform CPR on her twice, bringing her back. I had to take a lot of time off work and couldn't hold down a job for long with what was going on at home. Eventually, she gave birth early and the bub is perfectly fine and she's getting back on track. Due to this stressful time, I did put on a lot of weight. I got to 116 kilos which is 255 pounds. This is a massive change from my normally fit 88 kilos or 194 pounds. One day we were discussing the Defence Force and she said I should go back to try We discussed how home life and the kids would be and I set out going about the process. Now in June 2019, I've just passed all the fitness tests and medical finished off the selection board and off to the Australian Royal Military College Duntroon in July to chase my dream. I couldn't have done it without my wife and just wanted to share the story, letting people know that injuries are setbacks and with the right never quit mindset, we can achieve anything we want. Thanks for the podcast and the inspiration and keep on going. Jacob. That was pretty good, Andrew. Yep.
4: Nice work. still so, working on it. Thanks for writing in, brother.
5: It's cool to see that he didn't just let the dream pass, right? Like so many times people are like, I missed the opportunity. I missed the mark. I'm done. I can't go back after that. And he didn't like, let those other obstacles in life like like, inky. stop him from that, which is awesome.
4: Yeah. It's supposed to be hard. That's how you know you're doing it. See, people forget that. It's good to see this guy. He didn't. didn't. People seem to forget, oh, it's hard. I can't do it. I'm not going outside to quit or I'm not supposed to do it. That's yeah. why it's called a dream. To make it a reality, you gotta, you gotta pull it out of a out out dream world into reality and make it stick. In order to do that, you just got to put the work in hammer and nails kind of deal. Thanks
5: for sharing your story, Jacob. And, uh, Special thanks to our friend Doc, who shared me his voice.
4: Who shared me. He shared me. He lended <laughs> me. He lended me the voice. Uh, Doc is a he's a sit-in sit with our new podcast, Australian Link.
5: Yeah, if we need to expand in the Australian, you know, boom, we got you. We can have, Team
4: Never Quit, Australia platoon. That's right. Yeah, man, you got to have that. Like, you know, radio shows have that call-in guy that always calls in and just tells a story or cracks a yeah. He's like, hey, from Australia, here's Doc. Here's Doc. What's going on down under today? today mate if there's one thing that i've learned is that sharing your story is a powerful thing there are people out there that need a kick in the ass and your story could be the one thing that changes their lives forever so why don't you take a minute to share your story at teamneverquitcom forward slash podcast just click on the share your story button in the menu so we can encourage you along the way your story just might be read on one of our upcoming episodes
5: All right, dudes. Patreon question of the day coming from Scott. Scott asks you guys, and he does pay attention to someone who we all would probably agree would be the answer to this question. But the question is greatest Western actor of all time. He does pay respects to John Wayne. John Wayne. Anybody else? Is this generational or just ever, ever created? I think ever. He said of all time.
4: Okay, I'm going to have to go with Johnny. Because Clint and then Gus and Woodrow, so, you know. Yeah, Robert Duvall uh, and Tommy Lee Jones, and and because Lonesome Dove is absolutely the greatest Western movie ever created and ever will be created ever again. Period. In discussion, I'll argue that all day with anybody. However, that being said, I'm not going to negate Tombstone, Kurt Russell. Yeah, they played out real life, real life cowboys. Same way with within Lonesome Dove, and Kurt Russell did a fantastic job. Because I'm a big fan of Outlaw Josie Wales and Pale Rider myself. Mm. Clint, Clint's an awesome, Clint, awesome Western actor. Yeah. He kind of picked up where, old, uh, where the is. Uh, I ran across the, um, John Wayne's grandson one time. We're going to have to answer this politically. Well, Congressman, let see. The answer to the question is subjugated. If it's Is that a yes or no question? Well, no, it's not a yes or no question. It's either John Wayne, <laughs> John Wayne, John. or Clint Eastwood. Hey, that's a good one. Have you seen Shanghai, uh, not, uh, Noon? Shanghai Noon? List, please. Add that to the list. Where's the list here? <laughs> yeah, list. Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson? You're in charge of the list. Anytime we say a movie... Andrew's got Jack, uh, Jackie Chan and Owen Wilson. And Owen Wilson's like, what's your name? He's like, Chao like, No, John Wayne, right? John, John, John Wayne. John Wayne, yeah. Like, John Wayne? That's a horrible cowboy name. That's a horrible cowboy name. Horrible oh. cowboy <laughs> uh, that movie's good. I've had to see that movie. That movie sounds familiar. There's Shanghai Noon and Shanghai Nights. Man, I'm going to say... Because I'm more, I'm more in... I grew up with Clint Eastwood, so obviously our our parents would say John Wayne. Well, yeah, the Rifleman, Gunsmoke, Bonanza, Shane, Lone Ranger. Nah, there's, there's a lot of yeah. good Western series when we were kids. It was like the spaghetti, yeah, Clint calls them spaghetti Westerns. Spaghetti Westerns? Yeah. What does that mean? I don't know, that's what he called it, so that's what I go with, because Clint's the man. Because Clint's the man. You don't question Clint. He's still the man. Don't let the old man
5: in. Don't when let the old man in. Thank you for your question, Scott.
4: We did appreciate help, it. Did we answer it? I think we answered it. I think you have plenty of
5: answers. John Wayne, Clint Eastwood.
4: Clint Eastwood's best actor, but the best movie is Lonesome Dove. Period. Charlie Bronson. He's good. Death Wish wasn't a Western. Go back further. Didn't He, he was in a Western with a... Uh, with, Ronald Reagan. Uh, with the Samurai. What about Kevin Costner? It's Costner. Like, they're, they're uh, yeah. Modern what about, Westerns? What about, what about bovine, So it goes the dude, then it goes Clint, and then Costner. What was that other, oh, uh, what Costner, about, um, dude? Uh, dude, you're forgetting about Open Range, Robert Duvall. Hello. That's why I said it. Longmire. Costner was in that. It's like modern day. What about Jack Palance? Yeah. Audie Murphy. You know who Audie Murphy is? Nope. What? What? No. How can you be part of Team Never Quit? And you know who Audie whoa, Murphy is. Whoa! Come on, man, that's a big one. All right, what is it? Audie Murphy. You got Gene Autry. He's good. James Coburn. Got nothing, guys. He's Audie, Audie Murphy, Murphy, Medal of Honor Medal recipient. Of honors, that's him. To Helen back. He they does he make... have two? He doesn't have two, does he? At well, least he's got one. Yeah, Helen he back. He acted a, in. He acted in his own. His his own movie about his they own. made a movie about him, and he acted in it. What a boss!
5: All right, we could have a movie day, okay? Gosh. Probably need more than one day. who Audie
4: Murphy is. Are you sure he doesn't have two metal bars? No I mean... What's that? Hey, bro, what's that? The older man's got the handlebar mustache. He's Sam Elliott, pretty much the baddest... Yeah, he's good, assness dude. Tom Selleck. Yeah. Sam Elliott. That guy's got a cool voice. Yeah, he's, he's 110% cowboy. Golly. I don't know why he didn't pop it in my head first. That Phil and McCoy's was good. The, the older man... uh Wore the glasses, had the handlebar mustache, it was gray. He was in Remo Williams. Yeah, I don't know, I remember his, his real name. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. He was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sam Elliott, dude. He just, like, depicts the cowboy. He does. I don't know why. They they should make, like, the uh, awesome Texas Rangers Yeah. movie and then have Sam and Kevin and Clint and Gus and all them guys in it. Probably wouldn't work out because they're so high-end together. Wilford Brimley. Is that his name? Wilford Brimley. Yep. Now that I think about it, man, Sam Elliott is probably one of my favorite cowboy actors. Yeah, he's one of my favorite actors, too. He shaved his mustache off. for Oh, yeah, for uh, Justified? Didn't look right. That's right. Oh, I forgot he was in Justified. Big Lebowski. D Yeah, he played God. Have it your way, dude. Y'all watch The Ranch? Man, I Netflix? didn't get into it. No? It started like the first episode. Pretty right? good?
5: It's pretty funny. You gotta get into it, but it's funny.
4: Yeah, and Kevin Costner's in Yellowstone. Did y'all watch Longmire? Oh yeah, it's good. Who's um, in that? Um, what was that cat's name? It's got the guy from uh, the guy from the place that was there the day. Yeah, There's in a climbing a, a movie. In a climbing movie, K two or Everest or something like that. Dude, dude, dude. That's who we need to get on the show. Them dude, them two climbers from K uh, from K two, touching the void. You guys ever read that book? Nuh-uh. <gasps> oh, pull that up. What about Gene Hackman? I can't believe he quit acting. That was a bummer, dude. That story—I mean, Unforgiven was. First of all, the book—I—I I I read it cover to cover. I didn't put it down. And hello, they got a documentary on them dudes, Brosilis. You want to talk about a never quit story? The dude, they, so the two of them are climbing. They got caught in a storm, and one cut the other one away. That Alex Honnell. Um, one walked cut him the other. Back down. Yeah, Alex Honnold would be a good one too. Um, it it I don't know if it took him a week or two weeks to get down, crawling off of that glacier. Amazing story. Joe Simpson and Simon Yates. Man, they don't get along. They're not buddies anymore. Really, those two guys they were like best of friends. And the and the and the and the, and the climb. The rule is when you're climbing, if something like that happens, because he was dragging him off the mountain. So he cut him and he fell, I, don't, I forget how far, and then and then broke through. that. It fell into a crevasse way down in this glacier. A homeboy climbed down the mountain, got in his tent, and he stayed up there forever, Burnished, burned his partner's clothes and everything. This cat, his femur separated, went up into his chest cavity <clears throat> or into his, his, his abdominal cavity. He made his way out of that crevasse and belly crawled down that mountain. What the heck? And made it. Crawled down and finally he's like, finally he's like, I quit. He's like, I gave up. He's like, I can't go anymore. Turns out he was laying in a hole and his buddy's tent was right on the other side of the rock. His buddy came out to take a leak and almost peed on him. Found him. Were they not friends afterwards because of that? Yeah. Not because he almost peed on him. Because Yeah, he but because the, yeah. <laughs> he almost peed <clears> on <throat> him. What the hell? Yeah, I mean. That sucks. Epic story. It's a There's a documentary. Watch it. You'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. But the book itself. <laughs> hmm. That. Good good to go. And then there's another one called um, Touching the Void by uh, a guy named Krakauer. It's about the uh, Everest trip tragedy. What about, the, uh, the early one in 96, not the late one. That, was that one of them?
6: Tommy Cole, no, it's Donwall.
4: Wall. <coughs> oh, Don Wall? What was that guy who, uh, Glass that the bear attacked? Oh, you mean the, the guy that the cougar attacked? No, the bear. DiCaprio just did a movie you got the, oh, oh, rever- uh, reverence
5: If you want exclusive access to the show Bonus behind the scenes content Join us on Patreon Get your questions answered like Scott did You found out who the greatest western of all time was You learned about a couple new great movies Documentaries, books Even some great westerns to check out Make sure you support us on patreon.com slash team
1: never
4: Okay, I did not know this. I don't know how I didn't know this, but I want you tell me, bro, and the listeners about you and this dude that cut this cut this lady up in the street and took the dude. I mean, how cool? I probably wasn't cool when it was happening, but I think it's like just over the top cool. So go. Yeah, man, we'll do that. Let's hear about it. No, I mean like right now. Yeah. <laughs> want... Oh, you want to tell like right now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want to hear this right All now. Right. We're opening with this guy.
2: Yeah. Look, I, I uh, I'll tell you this, man. It was what 2006, and uh, I just got back from doing a mission on the border, and it was back uh, Operation Jumpstart. So we were taking, you know, Army Guard guys to the border. They're uh, building up some bulwarks or whatever they're doing, and uh, I came back, and it was uh, I'm, I'm out with my uh, with my girlfriend at the time. And we went out had a couple drinks with my buddy, and I'm walking back to my car, and I remember it was 12.26 in the morning, and this girl's just running. She ran across the street. It was a pretty busy street, North Avenue in Milwaukee. And she's holding her throat, and she's like, I, I just remember he cut my throat, he cut my throat, and, I, and she looks like she's bleeding out for sure. And, you know, behind her, this guy is chasing her uh, with a knife. He's kind of matching her speed. And, and I remember a couple things. You know, the first thought that went through my head was, this is a joke, right? It's like a Halloween prank. doesn't seem real, even though it was August. And uh, and the second thing that went through my mind was, no, this is very real. And so and that led to two more thoughts, which is, if I fight this guy with a knife, I'm going to get really injured. Because, as you guys know, I mean, fighting in close quarters with a knife is way more dangerous than fighting somebody with a gun. Especially if you don't have one. Yeah, Exactly but the second thing I mean, when, you're, I hey, you're a me.
4: congressman Pen is mightier than a sword. Did you whip out the big pen on him?
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. May as well next time. But anyway, so I just go, you, you know, and the second thought that went through my head though, and this was what was life changing for me is that I said, I can't watch him kill her and, you know, live with myself the rest of my life. And, you know, after, and, and I'll tell you, it's not a decision I, I'm confident I would make again, even, you know, cause in that moment, everything's chaotic. And, Anyway, he, I, I try, you know, calming him down. And then I try yelling and screaming at him to get him to bite off on me instead of her. Cause I can outrun him. And, uh, in this whole commotion, she ends up kind of behind me getting into a car. I didn't see it. He goes around me and goes to pull her out of the car and stab her. And, uh, at that point I, I, I don't have memory of it, but I grab, I've seen the, the video and I grab his knife hand. I throw my you know, arm over his neck and, and we grapple. And I just remember him trying to stab me. And I remember thinking this was the end and I'll tell you, it's not me. Like it it was all God. And I mean, it was a, it was a, you know, a moment where I think I had angels fighting for me. Uh, But I got this dude down, bigger dude with a knife. And I remember I had actually made the decision to kill him because, um, you know, obviously what was going on. And, and, uh, but I, both my hands,
4: two predators just locked up.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, and and so I just basically, uh, you know, at the bo- I, I ended up having to pin him down. I wasn't able to do anything else because I was using my entire body to basically keep him immobile, and then the girl I was dating at the time came back, kicked the knife out of his hand, and then the cop showed up, and the lady got, I think, it was close to 80 or 100 stitches in her neck, almost died, Bored. and there was a cool YouTube video of us meeting for the first time, and uh, and I'll tell you, that was probably... And anything that I've ever been through or done or seen the biggest life change. Cause that's the moment when you're like, okay, I died. And, um, you know, everything after this is, is, is kind of gravy and cool. And, and so it was life changing.
4: What, what was going on? Why, why was, yeah, was homeboy? Yeah,
2: it was, uh, he was a, uh, he was, uh, like mad that she, he thought she was hitting on another dude. <laughs> like they were together and, you know, she had, they had a baby together and, he ended up, he's out of jail now. I think he he was, he went in on like schizophrenia or something and, and was only in for 10 years or something. Yeah, it was the I uh, thought that she was, yeah, and thought she was flirting with somebody else, so.
4: Okay, there you have it.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, I guess that's one way to prove your point, but, you know, uh, you're going to spend 10 years in the, in jail for it.
4: Hey, well, don't sell yourself short, buddy. Fight or flight's a real thing, and some people have it, some people don't, and you do it, I, let me answer that question for you. You would do that again to put in that situation once more. You're yeah, the man, buddy. That, man. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that story.
2: Yeah, and you know what? Here here's the best lesson out of it. And uh and you guys understand this as much as anybody, or even more is is, you know, look, living for something bigger than you, uh, it takes a lot of sacrifice, takes a lot of risk. But at the end of the day, that's what life is about, right? I mean, I, I don't want to be eighty, you know, kind of facing the end of my life and say I didn't do much with it except gain wealth or whatever. Nothing wrong with gaining wealth and nothing wrong with doing that kind of stuff but i don't want to sit back and say you know i didn't do nothing with it and i didn't help anybody and i hope i'm never in a the situation again. there's nothing
4: wrong with it if you gain your wealth through helping <laughs> helping those around you that's how you live impoverished yeah. in the heart right if you realize yeah, that right, everything man. that you have is through everybody else yeah I, I, that but i can tell you man that's impressive buddy i'm serious i did if, if i'd have known that one first time i ever met you i might have Shaking your hand a little bit longer, but nonetheless, that was double cool. You
2: might've been nicer to me. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Well,
4: no, cause you're still, you're still a pilot.
2: <laughs> still a congressman. That's pretty cool.
4: So I mean, hey, history of service did that go back in your family. How'd that start?
2: Yeah. So not really. I mean, my grandfather was in world war II, and, uh, you know, back in world war two when they came back, uh, you know, they called it shell shock and you know, it was, it's a different time cause they basically were like, Hey thanks for what you did. Here's your DD 214. Now go raise a family. And you literally stepped from, you know, the ship coming back and the experiences you had. And now it's like, now you got to be an adult and raise kids. And I, I mean, I couldn't imagine me in that situation coming back from Iraq and I didn't go through near what my grandpa went through. Um, so he was a world war two guy. We don't know much about him. He never talked about it. He couldn't talk about it. Uh, I remember in 2003, uh, it was Thanksgiving. No, Thanksgiving. Oh, two. And I'm, this is five months before he died. I'm, I'm trying to get him to talk to me about the war. He said he would agree. And he started telling me a story and like just froze up and bawled. And, you know, that's humbling to see of your grandfather. And, uh, but I was always very proud of him, uh, for what he did. And, you know, he was 25, a big farm kid from Illinois, uh, I think was immediately promoted to an NCO. I think he had the opportunity to be an officer, but wisely chose not to and stayed an NCO and, uh, and, you know, he was the only one in my family, but I had, since I was a kid, for whatever reason, you know, God authors things in your heart, right. And desires and, 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 and I don't know, interest that whatever he plans for you to be. And, uh, military service was always in my heart and, you know, I almost went in a whole bunch of other times. Uh, and finally this, uh, it worked out well, you know, to go in and fly planes, but, uh, I'm, I'm the first, you know, Kinsinger since my grandpa
4: also depends on the generation that's above you, what your perception of, of how cool or uncool the military is. I mean, if, yeah. you, if, if you actually knew how much fun it was to do that, just imagine get, leaving right out of the house, right out of high school. You get to go hang out with a, a bunch of friends that you make, and then you get to fly a jet or do yeah. what we did or scuba dive or do whatever for a, for a few years, and then they'll pay for your college, and if you get hurt, they'll, you got your mail... It's kind of the nuclear family, the universities, the Naval Academy and um, and West Point. I mean, they had that doom and gloom reputation because it is strict, right? If you there is something to go in with a, with a regular school, state school, you have, you're going to have a lot yeah. more freedom, right? But yeah. you get that freedom when you get out of the military, but you also have the creds right. to go with it. It's kind of like it, you're, you're not having to go in there and sit and and study your degree and, and on words. You're going out there and earning it and living it. And then you learn all that knowledge and come back and see how much you gained, how much knowledge you gained when you're going back to school.
2: Yeah. And I'll tell you, man, I, I you know, I talk to people all the time in this job that especially being a veteran, uh I've never met anybody I'm sure they're out there, but I've literally never met anybody that regrets their military service. But I meet every day, and you guys do too, people that are like, Oh, I almost went in. I wish I did, you know, mm-hmm. I, my my and and it's a lot of times it's people's their it's their fear of like boot camp or basic training. They don't want to get yelled at. Well, you know, anybody that's been through it knows, yeah, it sucks. But the day that you basically they yell at you for the very first time, you're in a mode. And now you just you just act and learn. And I'll tell you, my sense of humor changed after the military. I know how to get along with people better. You know, I just I appreciate people and relationships and stuff more than I ever did. So it's more than just learning how to fly a plane, which is great. And I love flying still. It's awesome.
4: You're absolutely right. It's kind of one of those deals with the, with the millennials. Nobody wants to have an identity. Well, that's, if you if you truly like that, join the military, because in the beginning, they take all that away from you anyways. They don't care where yeah, you're exactly. from, what your background is. And then the, another cool part about it is as you're going through that, they find out what you're good at, what you're truly good at. Because they're not going to stick you in some place that, that you're not going to fit in or that you can't do. That's not how the military yeah, works. Right. They actually search that's for right. a place that, that all the qualifications that you're good at. And we have everything from... From the soldiers on the ground to pilots to baseball players to bull riders to guys who pass out basketball. A- everything you do in civilian world we have in the military. That's right.
2: That's right. And you know, and, and here's the other thing too, which I think is real important. Um, you know, in this business that I'm in now in politics, I hear people all the time say things like, That's being said, you know, in the Syria story, for instance, you know, we we wanna protect the military. We have to, you know, protect the guys and protect and I appreciate that. Right. We, we want to make sure that we're not putting our soldiers and our military in harm's way unnecessarily. But the thing that gets lost in all that is these men and women volunteer to do things that, you know, whether you're, just, you know, you're just filing paperwork or whether you're, you know, a Navy SEAL or a pilot. These people volunteer to do things that ninety nine point nine percent of Americans should never have to do or never have to see or never have to be exposed to. And so we need to get away from this kind of thing where we're treating the military as if, you know, they're this precious, um, you know, delicate kitty cat that has to be put away in a closet, and start treating them like the fierce warriors there are. You know, when people come back from combat, there is legitimate needs that they have. But too many times as a country, we just give them their check and say, "Your best days are behind you. Your service to your country is over." And when it's not, I mean, the future is bright for so many people. Even if you know you were at basically the apex of of your life, you know in war, you can come back and do some huge things. And I think that is a mental shift we have to make as a country. Is yeah, it's nice to say we're doing all this stuff for the veterans, you know, if you're a member of Congress. But we also need to remind these veterans that man, they can be fierce people going forward too, and do amazingly great things.
4: They have to be. We signed up for that, so by pulling us back. That's not letting us do our job. And you got to look at the military as, as a university, but it's, it's hands on field experience while you're learning the book stuff and you're not, Mm -hmm. the best days aren't behind you. You need to look at like you've been in school the whole time and they're, they're ahead of you. Now, what do you want to do with all of it? It's just turning it literally into that. It's not, you're not digressing once you come out, you have not only learned all the stuff that they learned in school and had a good time doing it. You've road tested it. Now you go that's out and right. find, figure out what it is you want to do. That, that's absolutely right. I mean, same way with the police force. You, that's why they're there is to police up the bad parts. If you can't, can't handle them with kick glass, it's supposed to be hard. Because yep. the, the, I can guarantee you that other countries, their military is just getting harder. They don't get soft. The yeah. streets, just like the streets. They don't get softer. They get harder. Uh, we were talking yep. about the other day, man, why some of these younger cops pull their gun out so fast and go to shoot. Because they've never been punched in the face. And the yeah. first time you get hit in the face, see your blood, man, you think you're dying. You'll go to your gun and start pulling off. But the streets, man, getting punched in the face is normal business. Yeah, yeah that's right. And, and I'll tell you, and
2: it's, it's, it's that, and it's, it's understanding as, as a country, too. Like, you know, right now, I mean, yeah, there are bad, for instance, on the police side, there are bad police shootings. It happens, right? We have to recognize that. But we also need to recognize the fact that we are asking people— to do things to make life and death decisions in a split second. You know, it's the old thing of the sheep, wolf, and the sheep, dog, right? You hate, if you're a sheep, you hate the sheep dog because it reminds you of the existence of a wolf until the wolf shows up, and then you love the sheep dog. And, you know, we're reminded of, you know, the shooting, I think it was in Houston, where there was actually a police protest, and then the police end up protecting the protesters uh, during that shooting. It's incredible.
4: Yeah, that's, I mean, that's how you know that everything is. is- good where you're at. That There's no fear of dying all the time. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And I, and look, I've been to
2: some, we guys have all been to bad places, but I remember I was in a central American country fairly recently and just ask, you know, the person I was with, like, Hey, if I need to call nine one, one, you know, if there's something shows up, can you know what's going to happen? And they said, but you can't, there's no nine one one. You have to know the number for the police, the local police barracks and they probably won't come because they're probably in on whatever attacks happening and I realize, I appreciate it at that moment, no matter where you are in this country, I guess for the most part, you can dial 911 and get police, get fire, get ambulance, get anything you need. That's something we take for granted, too, mm-hmm. and the people that are you know behind all that.
4: Oh, well, take a paycheck away from it. Take take money and all that. And just the mere fact that you can call somebody when you're in trouble and they will show up. Like just a regular, yeah. non, somebody you don't even know will literally show up just because you pick something up off the ground, punch a couple numbers, ask for help. They show up in a uniform so that you can identify them and they're there to help That's you. Right. And then you're going to tear them down. You're going to do anything right. other than uh, uh, just receive help. I don't understand that.
2: Yeah. It's old saying, you know, every uh, society and humanity is one generation of heroes away from extinction. And if you think about that, if, you know, if our kids' generation if we don't train heroes into people, and I'm not saying everybody needs to be a hero, everybody can't be a hero, but if we don't train the hero mindset into the next generation, uh, society will become extinct because nobody will be willing to step up for the powerless. Nobody will be willing to stand up, you know, for beliefs and ideals. And, uh, and it makes us no different than the animals at
4: that point. That was a great part about our generation in the movies, man. Our heroes were, were people, granted yep. now the avengers i love watching those movies don't get me wrong but all the heroes are comic books i mean yeah. you need to look at a, at a the difference between a hero and a superhero is a superhero who's somebody who doesn't have powers and goes out and does that stuff if you got that's powers right. and you do it then that, you're just a hero
2: right Yep. yeah that's right that's a good point you know the superheroes are the ones that are willing to put it all on the line and uh you know i remember even just watching like you know rambo or rocky right you yeah, Rambo obviously was, you know, has unlimited ammunition somehow, <laughs> uh, but was pretty good. And uh, but you know, Rocky, it just goes—he's fighting, he perseveres, and that's what you kind of look up to as your heroes. And it just—it it sends a message, which is, look, you're capable. Yeah, I tell I tell young people all the time. I go, look, people will tell you you can do anything. That's not true, right? I cannot go play in the NBA, no matter how much I want to. I I, I could train forever. I'm not NBA material. But there is things I can do that I don't think I'm capable of. I never thought I'd be elected to Congress. I never thought I could fly, you know, million dollar assets. I never thought I'd be at war. I never thought, you know, any number of things. And uh, but you can. And 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 it's giving those kids not the feedback of if you get five thousand likes on Instagram, you're worth something. It's the feedback of it doesn't matter what other people think. You're already accepted by God. So now go out. And do what you, you know, what you are bred to do, what you are meant to do, because everybody has a, has that purpose.
4: And think about it like this, man. Just because you can't play, play in the NBA doesn't mean you can't play basketball. All right? The NBA yeah. shows where the best at that sport play, where they hang out. We build stadiums around them so we can watch them actually do that skill set. But, brother, you can play basketball anywhere. That's the beautiful part about it. And That's right. as you're learning how to play just like they did, if you see a point – you're not as good as them, but you can still always appreciate someone who's put the effort in to get that that good. Don't you know? Don't you can't get mad at them. That's a the beautiful thing about being champions. When we watch them, you got to think probably the hardest job on the planet would be a boxer, a fighter. I mean, you got to fight oh, yeah. every single day. You pretty much spend your entire life getting away from that one profession. That's why. uh What's why we pay them so much money and we call them champ because the dudes that can yeah. that that are, that just do it with the knuckles. I mean, that's. That's straight up. Talking's done. That's right. Between, That's right. In between them and everybody else is, is communication.
2: Yeah, and I'll tell you, man, it's like, you know, you guys talk about team never quit, which I, lo- I love the name of it as, as much as even the mission, which is just like, you know, push to failure. And it doesn't mean, you know, I'm, there at some point, you know, your body gets old. And I don't mean go, you know, hit the hit the weights beyond what your body's capable of. We age and we have to accept that. But you know, to to lift weights, you you push until failure. If you're doing, you know, you're pushing as far as you can, and it's the same. You know, like basketball. If you want to play for the NBA, you may never get a chance, but go out and push to failure, and not and, and it's not you know relying on who on your performance for your value, but it's understanding that sometimes in failure is where you have the greatest learning. You know, I I, I remember a, a quit smoking ad that just said never quit quitting, and uh, and the point of that is. Keep doing it. Keep fighting. Keep going. You know, if you quit smoking and you start smoking again, never quit stopping. And it's that whole idea. But I, and I and I fear, and that's where I love what you guys talk about. I fear that that mission, that idea, is kind of going away. And it's now like positive feedback, and anything short of positive feedback is a failure and should be avoided.
4: failure's in the middle just like you said it starts with fear fear means you're not trained yeah. in it then you train it and train it till you hit hit the failure and at the end of that's afraid like you can turn it into a failure to where you're afraid of going back into it you want to stay away from that but ultimately there's a it's a it's a give and take that's where you see the line and you push to it and go past it that's what makes you better. That's right, and fear creates so many problems too. You know, fear creates
2: conflict. Conflict creates war and attacks, and and uh, we all have fears. But the key is to control those fears and to uh, overcome your own fears, and and to understand that other people have fears when you deal with them
4: too. That's the communication of fear. That's right. Like fear kind of like I said, it's unknown, untrained. You don't want to deal with it, but once you start working in something even and they see it with fighters but like, hey every time I go in the ring man I still have the fear well that's actually anxiousness because it runs off the same kind of gland that's your body telling yeah. you that you're ready to go and then yeah you, you push back and forth in between that it's a lack of communication when someone ha- is still has the fear inside them because they're not as well trained as the person next to them as they back off or they don't they don't go in that's why that's where that you need to think of it as fears that fuel for your willpower and it's just you, it's step by step. None of us, I mean, you didn't get in that jet and just take off. Mojo and I didn't become just Navy SEALs. It it takes us a day-by-day thing. Yep. You know, and the other thing,
2: my brother sent me the, uh, uh, if you remember in Band of Brothers, there's that scene where there's that uh, private who, you know, basically had hid from the war, and then he's sitting in his foxhole, and that lieutenant who everybody thought was crazy comes up, and he admits to the lieutenant. He said, you know, I hid, and I didn't do this. And he goes, I'm just scared. Lieutenant looks at him and goes, we're all scared. He goes, "Your problem is you still have hope." He goes, "The sooner you accept the fact that you're already dead, the more you function. All war depends on it." And the point isn't to go say, "I'm already dead," but it's to say, you know, put all that things that you're holding on to aside to achieve your mission. You know, in politics there's a lot of people that, you know, are scared to make statements because they're afraid of what it's going to do for their election. Well, if you put it all aside and say, I'm here for a mission and a purpose, you know, I'm already dead, so to speak, politically, uh, I think you can be the best member of Congress or whatever you can be. It's the same in the military and it's the same in just about any job out there is put it all on the line, right? Just, just, just sacrifice
4: everything. It's supposed to be limited. Do as much as you can because you know, it's not supposed to be a forever job. That's right. Adam, can you share a moment with our listeners that, you know, you've completely
5: adopted that never quit mentality in your own life? Yeah, I, I think uh, a couple of things.
2: So I think the the stabbing that we talked about was probably the, the first the first thing that I think that never quit idea really, you know, because I could have run away from that. Um, and I had basically made the decision that I was going to die, but I was going to die making a stand. And the other thing is in, it just generally in politics, you know, this is a frustrating job sometimes. And, and, you know, you lose votes on the floor. You sometimes find yourself in the minority opinion of your own party or, you know, like, look, I've been very critical of the decision to leave Syria and the easiest thing would be to stay quiet on that. But you also understand that, you know, you've got a purpose and God puts you out here for a reason and you have to be true to what's on your heart. And so even against all those obstacles, again, sometimes the easiest thing to do is just to shut up and color. Um, You know, I'm going to keep doing what I think is right because otherwise I don't see a purpose in being out here and in, and in doing this job if I'm not willing to, it it basically, if I quit, if I quit being true to what I believe in who I am. So it's just never quitting that because the day I walk away from this job, I want to be able to look back on it with pride. And, uh, and I think it's also never, for me, it's never stop trying to be a better person. Like, and not in a weird touchy feely way, but like I still every day try to go through my mind, you know, who is left in my life that I still need to forgive, you know, for whatever reason that is, is being held on to me. You know, what is it that I do that falls short of what, you know, God is calling me to do and how do I begin to make changes in that? And it's a refining process. And the closer you get, you know, in my life to understanding God, the more you realize there's so much more to understand. Uh, but it's in that journey and that not quitting uh, where you actually see the most growth. So I, I think, you know, it's probably a whole bunch of other stuff, but those are the ones that really stand out to me that adopting that mentality in my life.
4: Seems like you had a driving, kind of a a burning desire to be in politics from a very early age. You just must be a glutton for punishment. How did you, because you were the youngest, youngest voted into the. Yeah, that was cool. That part's cool. Then you were an aide. And then, then you went for the big hoose gal. Walk us through that little gym. Yeah. I mean,
2: look, you know, like I said, you get authored in your heart from the day you're born. I mean, you know, some people that, you know, at six years old, they know all the baseball statistics. Right. And you're like, that's weird, but it's cool. You know, the kids that at six years old are playing Army guys, and and, uh, and a lot of times, you know, looking back on how somebody was a six-year-old, you can see what they'll become. Well, when I was six, I lived in Jacksonville, Florida, and there was a dude running for mayor, uh, his name's John Lewis, and for whatever reason, I was interested in that. And I, you know, I was a kid. I mean, I took a yard sign and walked up and down my neighborhood with it, which was silly. And, uh, and it, by the way, it was a cul-de-sac, so nobody ever drove by. But you see that. And you see what that, what that leads to. And so, yeah, I never thought I'd be in Congress. I, I probably would have been really cool at the idea of it, but it led to this. And that's, and so, yeah, I got involved young and, you know, it's good and bad, but uh, you see that every, you know, if you have kids out there and you see them at a young age with a kind of an unnatural or unnormal interest, you know, sometimes take a look at that. Cause that's, uh, that's the early stages of their mission being written on their heart. I think
4: that's a good point. Cause Mark's and I played army. Mm-hmm. Sun up to sundown.
2: Unless they're like you know abusing animals or something. I mean, pay attention to that too. But that's not what they're supposed to be.
4: Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, we get we hang the socks off the end of our feet. Good Lord, man! We put <laughs> our drawers over our head as a mask and socks kind of as, as regulators and swim around. That's I never thought yeah. about it. That's a great way of looking at that. It makes sense why they call us sixth graders with guns. That's right, buddy. And uh, <laughs> you guys were Navy SEALs before you knew it. There you have it. You've been you've been doing this, the D.C. thing for a while, long enough to see, in my perspective, because I was only there for a short period of time. But I, I tell you what, the tides, give us your perspective on just the shift in what it's like to live in that world. Because back when you got in, social yeah. media wasn't social media.
2: I think, look, I think it's a couple of things. I think social media does some of it. I think, you know, people... This this business was created so that, like, the members of Congress were kind of like the experts in the district that they represent. You know, the congressman used to come back, tell you what was going on, and you believed them. And now with, you know, 24-hour news, people all think they're—because, you know, whoever they're watching said something, that that's the gospel. And it's taken away people's ability to listen to the other side. I think, you know, the thing that's that's most concerning to me is— in both parties I've seen it actually is people are more interested in quote, you know, owning the libs or owning the conservatives. You know, you go on you go on the uh on a website and it's like so and so owns the conservatives. Watch this outrageous video. And we become more interested. You know, we're not outraged at the fact that, you know, a thousand ISIS members are now back on the loose, but we are outraged because so and so said something and they got away with it and we we're not seeing each other as fellow Americans anymore. And that that you know, we all respect each other in Congress, believe it or not. We actually all get along pretty well. Uh you just don't see it on TV because that's when we're debating. But uh I I just fear at you know, this this change that's happened is our inability to even respect each other. And and that's frightening. Look, I, I you know, oh, let's take uh, one of my buddies out here, Joe Kennedy. He is uh, he and I don't agree on a single thing, right? I don't think we've ever voted the same on anything. And uh, and I consider him a friend because I, I like him. He's a good dude. And I encourage people to get a friend that's the total opposite political view of you. And uh, if you're going to talk about politics, that's fine. And just learn where they're coming from because, you know, look, the most liberal liberal thinks they're doing the right thing. The most conservative conservative thinks they are. And unfortunately, we just now aspire bad aspirations, bad motives on people, and it's been we can save it. It's going to be saved. It's going to be changed, but it's low point right now.
4: Well, when you turn on the television, you can turn on uh, sports, and if you turn on politics, it's literally you guys. say you get along famously, offset. But when you guys are on the set, it's like watching a miniseries, like something you can watch on Netflix, because yeah. every one of it has a person, and that's yeah. the way people look at it. Like they don't, yeah. they don't understand it. I mean, that's like real happening. That's the real channel, and and what wh- right. you're seeing. Like when a person's a, a liberal, where do they come from? Well, they do think that's how they do things over there. And they come up and they start talking about, it. they think they want to blanket everybody with that. When in reality, man, we're all different. That's why it's 50 states and each one is unique. And you send somebody who understands that kind of area up to the big house where you guys sit to hash things out.
2: That's right. I mean, look, I represent a rural district, right? There's, you know, look at Elijah Cummings who just passed away sadly. And you think about, you know, uh he represented a district very different than mine, and you know we can hash out ideas and debate, and one person's gonna win, maybe you both lose, maybe you both win uh but it's worked for <laughs> a few hundred years, and it's far better than a you know one person inflicting their will on everybody and and we just gotta get back to that understanding again you know there's there's real evil people out there, but you know most of them are in parts of the world that we're sending guys like you to go take care of. And uh, the rest of us are just folks all trying to live our life. And the other thing is this, look, I, you know, people talk about why all these diseases are up and all these, you know, I'll stress, I think when people spend their time staring at news, you know, your body releases cortisol cause you're mad. That's your physical reaction to it. Cortisol uh, is a fight is a reaction of fight or flee. Um, so your body's in constant fight or flee mode. And that has real physical impacts on you and people become sick and depressed and, you know, and they age quickly. It's a real issue that, that is not just about the soul or the mind. It's it's also physical.
4: Absolutely. They take that whole responsibility onto themselves when in reality, that's the, the stuff you see on the national is a big picture. If not directly affecting you in your area, You live your life, enjoy your kids, and, and stay away from that. Used to be you'd watch the yeah, news right. in the morning and in the afternoon. Now you can literally yeah. turn it on and see it all the time. And it's kind of like yeah. living in. If you if you grew up in a house where the uh, parents argued in front of the kids, that's what it feels like when it's kind of like, right. oh man, and, and that's what that does. It's exactly what yeah. you said. That's
2: and then we wonder why kids aren't you know expressing the same pride in the country that we had because well they're not seeing great examples right now. They're just seeing you know what, when I think of the U.S. government, what do I think of? Well, I think of mom and dad you know yelling at the TV, and that shouldn't be like that. That's where, but that's where it's not going to be on people like me to change that. It's actually on the American people to reject it and their politicians, I think.
4: Well, I think that's a generational thing as well, because the people who are doing yeah. that are the same ones that had a horrible war. I mean, it's, yeah. it's literally that generation hate each other and they're yeah. going back and forth. And, and you're sitting there, our generation's underneath, kind of filling in the, the gaps right now because there's a, about to be a transition of power. Uh, we're that's taking right. over and they're, they're heading, you know, it's retiring time. And that's what you're seeing. I mean, they bicker right. like an old couple. there's just a handful of them up there that do it Uh, everyone else thinks that no one else gets along and everyone hates each other when it's only a handful of them up there that don't like each other yeah
2: that's true that's true there's still a great amount of respect but i do fear the long term of this is that you know the the payoff to politicians is being famous and getting votes and and when the model switches where people are rewarding you know bad behavior then that can spread because right you know as, as it was intended, we're supposed to reflect the desires of our district. And so that's where everybody looks to us to change. And I, and I do my best to live by a, a different tone and a different mantra. But um, it's not going to happen wholesale out here. It's going to happen when people demand better.
4: I mean, right now it's getting treated like an offense a, or a two different teams going at each other. Democrats yeah. and Republicans, when in reality it's supposed to be a family. No one has that's said right. they're, they're sorry for anything, apologized to end the Hatfield and McCoy argument, kind of what's going on up there. Yep. That's right. When in reality, I mean, you guys are holding grudges over something that that, happened a long time ago. That's not even that wasn't even really a thing. But because we don't get to see behind the scenes what's going on when you guys come out from behind the camera and really hash it, we don't know that. Y'all just, like I said, it's a perfect soap opera. We just keep hanging on until next next morning, whatever it is you feel like you're going to tell us. And unless you got relationships like we do, like unless you know your congressman or something like like we know you and we kind of understand, or you actually get out and travel. What you know is the area that you occupy. Yeah,
2: that's right. That's right. You know, they used to say that Hollywood or uh, politics was Hollywood for ugly people. And uh, <laughs> I actually think Hollywood and politics is now the same thing. Think about all these Hollywood people now, you know, getting involved in politics and whether it's on Twitter or actually running. And then all the, you know, there's a lot of people out here in politics that want to be famous. And uh, it's kind of a not great mix. You know, I uh, politics is supposed to be boring. It's not supposed to be entertaining.
4: Think about when you were in school, man. Did you like studying that? Political part of it, most people I
2: did, but I'm sure you guys didn't. I
4: was gonna say, yeah, he did.
2: (laughs) I did, I I was a nerd, man.
4: So, what's up next for you, buddy? What you got going on?
2: Well, you know, look, I uh, we got a lot of stuff out here, obviously, with all the big issues up, but you know, for me personally, I'm uh, getting married soon, as we said, and uh, so I'm looking forward to that. And maybe that'll uh, you know, be a different phase of life, and still flying for the military, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, and so I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm a pretty happy person. And, and I've come to learn you know, over time, happiness is a choice you have to make every day. And, uh, you know, some just continuing on that journey and trying to get closer to my, to God and, and trying to figure out what that, you know, what each day step is and, and not plan too far ahead. Cause I, I realized, man, you know, I'm 41, which is young to some people, old to others, but that forty-one years goes by pretty fast, and you know you got to embrace every moment of the day, or else pretty soon you're going to be old looking back, going, "Man, I didn't embrace that."
4: So <laughs> that's what's that's what's on my list. If you got one lesson you could pass to the to the team, what would it be? You know, I think it's just uh, take it,
2: it, people have been through some pretty tough experiences. Everybody has some some tougher than others. Um, I think there's a real a real hunger out there to for people that have had those tough lessons you know you take about whether it's combat or something else even something maybe an abusive father or whatever it is it's like figure out how to use that how to talk about it how to resolve it in your own mind and in your own heart but but pass that on to people so that we can as our generation kind of take you know this is something marcus you talk about all the time is when our our generation we're getting that torch now to take over Uh, We want to be better and stronger than the previous generation. And I think, you know, a lot of people listen to your podcast have been through a lot of stuff and, and that's what, you know, attracts them to the theme. It's like, find a way to take the stuff you've been through, manage it, but also help people that maybe don't have the tools to deal with the same kind of thing. And, uh, and the other thing is just be good Patriots. You know, you live in the best country in the world and, uh, even though we're screwed up, it'll all be screwed up until we get to heaven. But, you know, you live in the best country in the world. We've been to some bad places. Just remember that and appreciate like kind of every day you're here. And uh, even if it's a tough day and even if you feel like quitting.
4: Amen. Great advice. Well, thank you, Congressman, for taking time out of your busy schedule to visit with us two minions out here you in South Texas. Yeah, I mean, we joke around, and, and, but uh, due respect for everything that you've done through the military and, and now up up there being a congressman for your people and just your overall attitude, it's it's. You're one of those examples that the younger generation needs to look to with the line of service and the rewards that it could lead to, and the adventures, man. It, it it is. Wait, thank you for coming on and articulating that, man, and welcome to the team, yeah, brother. Thanks for being a good dude. Yeah. Yeah, Probably brother. I appreciate I it. it. You. Thank
2: you for all you guys do too. I appreciate you.
4: You bet. We'll see you soon, man. Out here, bro. you bet. Look, if you got credit cards and you have high-interest loans and and, and some debt, you know how that feels. Well, I mean, if you want to take that kind of pressure off of paying high-interest credit cards and getting a lower rate and saving money, use Lightstream.
5: Yeah, for sure. Who likes paying high-interest credit cards? Refinance your credit card balances and save with a credit card consolidation loan from our supporters over at Lightstream. You can get a rate as low as 5.95% APR with AutoPay which is so much better than some of the competitors at 20%. You can get a loan from $5,000 to $100,000. They got no fees. The online application is quick. It's easy. You can apply from your phone. I know you already have it right now in your hand. Lightstream believes that when you have good credit, you deserve a low rate and great service, and that's exactly what they're going to deliver.
4: Lightstream also has a special Christmas offer for our listeners. Apply now and get an additional interest rate discount. The only way to get the discount is to go to lightstream.com slash TNQ. That's lightstream.com slash TNQ for additional discount. L-I-G. G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M.com slash TNQ. Hey, man, that's all subject to credit
5: approval. Rate includes 0.50% auto-pay discounts. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash TNQ for more info.
4: Congressman Kinsinger. Good dude. I mean, that's something you say... You don't say that to about too many folks walking around trying to do what he's doing up in D.C. because it's just a it eats you from the inside. Especially out. in the service environment, throwing the uniform on and always kind of giving back, that can lead you can get jaded doing that in some in, in kind of any capacity. But I've never run across him when he's when I worked in D.C. It, it, when you walk in and out, especially in the Hill, the Senate, if you're just walking around the department buildings, it literally looks like somebody has sucked the life out of everybody that's been there for a while. I felt sorry for him. I was always curious. He's about, always, like, What's the mood around there? Yeah, the it's, atmosphere? Uh, it's very. Um, it's, uh, what's that magic word? Tense? No. It's. Um, Is it like there's a fight about to happen at 3 o'clock? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's always like, but there's Something like there's, about to, there's a fight about to happen. Right? Yeah. And, and, and it's just literally a civil war going up there when you cross the river. And that, and everyone, everybody's on guard. It's a chess game. Everybody's maneuvering on everybody, so you constantly can't. You can't let your guard down. You can't be yourself. Like Adam said, it's like, look, people are scared to say anything because when you say it, it's out, and you can't retract it. Yeah. And then, as we know now, you could say something now, and 20 years from now, it won't be the right thing to say, and they're going to hang it on your neck. And they just look to butcher you. It's it's sad. So I applaud people that get up there and really try to do something. Like, he's really trying to represent his district and and not treat this as like a game show, like Marcus said. And he's got a very positive attitude, that's for sure. I think his faith has a lot to do with that. Yeah. Man, that's the only thing to keep you grounded in an area where you don't have, you don't know exactly who your team is. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as we did. That interview was awesome. Yep. Congratulations, Congressman, on your upcoming nuptials. I'm sure our invitations got lost in the mail, but yeah, that's cool. Uh,
6: whatever. <laughs> whatever. <We> live <laughs> out in the of
4: nowhere. And thank you guys for bringing us back. I appreciate it, man. We don't have the words to, uh, to tell you how wonderful that is. So. As long as you guys are out there holding the team together, we'll, we'll keep bringing in the new recruits. If y'all keep listening, we're going to keep running our gums. We're out. If you want to be the first one to know when we drop a new episode, then you need to make sure you subscribe to the podcast. You can press the purple subscribe button on Apple Podcasts or any other major podcast player to be notified the moment we release a new episode. The show is available on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and pretty much any other podcast player. We've got a ton of great episodes and had some incredible guests along the way including Mr. Tim Ballard, Brad Snyder, and Laura Logan. Love you, Laura. If you're already following us on Facebook and Instagram, you know we keep our followers up to date with gear, sales, guests,
5: events, tons of other stuff you won't get anywhere else. If you're not following us yet, you're missing out. Follow us right now at team underscore never quit. You can also keep up with Marcus at Marcus Luttrell, Morgan at Mojo Luttrell, and me at Andrew Brockenbush on Instagram. And thank you guys again for listening to the show.
4: Great job, guys.